as we start this morning, uh, I'm going to start a, a, a few sermons this morning on what trees teach us, trees teach us in the Bible. Um, the summer between my sophomore and uh, junior year of college, um, I attended Anderson College, which is a Christian university in the Midwest near Indianapolis. Uh, it's associated with our church, uh, our church movement. And uh, I went there um, with the intention of studying to be a, a teacher and a coach, uh, to coach uh, basketball, play a little basketball, and that was kind of my heart and what I wanted to do at the time was moving in that direction. And so in the summer uh, between those two years, the, the college had a program called TRIES, Student Summer Service. And they would send students out to, to various types of missions around the country and the world uh, to serve for a summer, uh, to get exposure to what that was all about. And, and those were all kinds of different experiences. But <clears throat> the one that I was asked to do with one of my best friends at the school was to uh, travel to uh, a few different youth camps around the country and work in youth camps. So he and I were sent out as not just representatives from Anderson, but uh, to help in those camps, to serve in those camps. And so um, I grew up in Wisconsin. My my friend that was going with was uh, grew up in Kentucky. I don't think either us either of us had ever been uh, across the Mississippi at that point in our lives. But uh, the the camps that they sent us to were were out west. And so uh, we started in Northern California at a camp called Diamond Arrow, and I think we have a picture of that uh, to to look up. And and so this was the first camp. Never been west of the Mississippi. We drove all the way across the country, saw all the various terrains. And this was during the time of, uh, of uh, the uh, pretty much kind of the, the, the height of the uh, hippie time. The, uh, it was a very volatile time in our culture. Uh, all of our hair was a little longer than it is now. Uh, and, and so it was an interesting time, and we'd never been uh, out west, and of course California was one of the centers of all that. But that being said, this, uh, this camp was uh, in the northern uh, California area, about uh, maybe an hour, hour or two north of the San Francisco area, but, but west, excuse me, east of it, up in the Sierra Pines. So these are uh, Ponderosa Pines, and uh, it was just a, a gorgeous setting. This camp is still there and still uh, does um, youth camps and all kinds of camps that are held there. And uh, while, while I was there that week, uh, uh, during one of the nights, uh, uh, camp had been a very uh, moving camp for me. It was all new experience. But uh, I, got, I was just restless one night, got up in the night, and uh, stood among these these tall pines, kind of back in the middle of them somewhere where the cabins were. And um, uh, again, God didn't speak by an audible voice, but through, through just his impression on my heart. And I'd kind of been feeling this along the way. He said, uh, I'm going to move you from what's familiar to you to be a teacher and a coach. You're still going to do that, but it's, it's going to be in a new direction. He was calling me into ministry is what it boils down to. And, uh, and, and that was a new path, a new direction. It was something that uh, God was saying to my heart to, to switch from, from my career choice, so to speak, to his call uh, upon my heart. And that was uh, lots of years ago. 
Uh, but I still look back to that moment uh, in the middle of the night out among those trees where God spoke to my heart and uh, changed the course of my life. Now, uh, I was hoping, you know, it wasn't a bad taco or something, you know, that that I was dealing with indigestion, that it was actually God, but it's, it, it really was actually God. And, you know, there's times in our life, every one of our lives, where where God speaks in a particular way, maybe we identify a place with that. In my case, I did here. Um, but, you know, when Jesus called the disciples, he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so he was calling the disciples who were fisher, fishermen to begin with. And he says, this is familiar to you. I'm not going to call you to be uh, a truck driver or, you know, a bunch of other things. He says, what's familiar to you? You're a fisherman, but I'm going to call you to be a fisher of men. In other words, instead of fishing for fish, you're going to fish for people for my sake. And that's how God most often works, I think. We, we, we sense a calling sometimes as something that we're afraid of because we're afraid God's going to, going to move us uh, to some other country or to do some other big thing that we just can't fathom. But usually what God is saying to us is, I'm going to call you from something that's familiar to you, but redirected in a new way, in a way that uh, I'm, I'm directing you to impact the lives of people. Now, in my case, it was called to be a pastor. But in all of our cases, it's something usually, God takes a, what's already a passion within us or what's already a, a, a place where we care deeply and moves us in a direction to use it in a new way. That's often how God works. And so since that time, the images of a tree uh, have been a, an important symbol for me in my own walk of faith. And then as I've studied the Bible through the years, realized how vital trees are to an understanding of Scripture. I'm going to just unfold a few things this morning about that. Now, this graphic is, is kind of a desert tree because in the desert here, we don't have much water and uh, trees grow, but but they grow on a different basis than, say, the rainforest down in the Central Americas area. You know, trees grow in all different climates, all different places, in all different ways. Trees in the desert are different. So we're going to talk about planting a tree in the desert because this is where we live. This is where God has placed us. Let's begin to uh, think about this um, many years ago. Trees are, first of all, a, a very unifying theme of the Bible. Unifying theme. In the creation story in Genesis 1, where God creates the heavens and the earth, and there's a variety of things in that creation story, he, he, he plants trees in the garden, and, and he elaborates on that part of his creation. So in the very first book of the Bible, the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, trees are prominent. Now, at the very end of the Bible, the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, there is a passage about the tree of life that, that God actually planted at the creation story, but how the tree of life would, would now open up for eternal life. The, the, the creation part of the story of God in the Bible 
is found in Genesis 1. The completion part, where the tree of life opens the doors of heaven to us, is found at the very end of the Bible, showing us that it's kind of a, a unifying theme all the way through. Now, that's important to understand. And in between, there are all kinds of references to trees throughout Scripture. Now, nerd alert, I'm going to share a few uh, statistics here for you statistics buffs, if you don't care about them. It's okay, but uh, the word tree is mentioned 293 times throughout Scripture. Fruit, 212. Branch, 107. Root, 57. Forest, 51. Vine, 72. Leaf, 19. There are more than 800 specific references to a tree or parts of a tree Throughout Scripture, all the way through, we see the importance of trees. In addition to that, the Bible often speaks of specific species. I know I'd get that word difficult. Species of trees. I'm not going to say it a third time. (laughs) You get what I'm going through. So specific trees, oak trees, palm trees, cedar trees, olive trees, fig trees, all of the, the various kinds of trees particularly found in the then-known world at that day, are are, uh, specified in various parts of Scripture because they each represented a different part of, of, of how God works. Some were trees of strength, like the cedars, the palms, and the oaks. Others produced fruit, the olive and the fig trees. On and on it goes. Now, in Genesis 2, the, the tree of life is depicted, and the tree of knowledge and good of evil. So in a very um, significant event in the Bible where, where God creates this ability for us to choose life and, and give specific instructions to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I'm going to refer to this a little more later, it, it shows us that the trees were an important part of specific times throughout the Bible particularly this one. So trees are a unifying theme in the Bible. They're found all the way throughout Scripture. They each tell a different story about how God works. Um, another thing about trees in the Bible, they reflect the faith process. They, the, the way a tree grows and the way faith grows is really very similar. A seed is planted for a tree. And then as it's cultivated and nourished, the the roots grow so that there is a strong foundation. And then once that root system begins to take hold, the, the tree begins to sprout, and the better cultivated and the better nourished it is, the stronger the trunk becomes. The base of the tree uh, becomes something that then can produce branches, and branches produce leaves, and leaves produce fruit. Now, the faith process is very similar. Someone, some way, plants a seed of faith in our life. It may have come from our childhood, from our parents, or a church, or a person that came across our path, where a seed gets planted, and somehow that seed, if it can be nourished and and uh, cultivated, takes root in our life. And if you've had the the opportunity to have someone care enough about you to not only plant that seed but nourish it in your life, 
you're a blessed person. And then through the church, through the, the body of Christ, many Christians, that's how we become strong. Trees grow in, in places like forests where there's a, a multitude of trees, and I'm going to allude to that a little later about how forests work, because we grow by sharpening one another, by, by getting in contact with one another, and there's a stronger tree as a result, stronger faith in our lives. And then leaves grow and, and ultimately fruit. God sends us to bear fruit, to be the kind of Christian that impacts other people with not only our lives, but with the the truth of who God is and who Jesus is to us. And so there's that progression of faith. That's how faith grows, reflects that faith process. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says that we are like trees planted by streams of water, which bears fruit in season. So there's There's a way that God strengthens us so that we bear fruit in the different seasons of life. Now, trees like people are subject to all kinds of variable conditions. But trees can thrive in a lot of different climates. So I mentioned the rainforest. We used to take some mission trips to Honduras with our church. And uh, that's kind of In the middle, it's not quite the rainforest, but it's pretty similar to it. Thick vegetation, thick foliage, uh, very dense. In fact, uh, one of the staples living in the mountains in central Honduras is a machete that's on your belt. Five-year-old kids going to school walk around machetes because sometimes they got to whack the way there. Now, here in the desert, very different. But the trees that thrive here can thrive on not as much water, obviously. They grow differently. They look different. But they thrive in a climate like this. Certain trees adapt to this climate and thrive. Now, as people, uh, we, we are in different situations. We... We have different seasons in life. We have harsher times in our life, difficult conditions. Uh, illnesses hit. Uh, problems come into our life. Setbacks. And yet, like trees, there's a resilience of the human spirit when God is in control of our life that can continue to thrive even very difficult times and circumstances. That's how faith works. Trees represent longevity and strength. Uh, One of the great uh, experiences of that summer when we traveled out here was to go through the uh, Sequoia National Park in central California. Now, I imagine most of us are West people here, or at least have been for a while. I hope you've had a chance to see the redwoods, the sequoias, in California. Won't ask for a show of hands, but they're amazing trees. They're 300 feet tall. 50, more than 50 feet in diameter in in circumference. Uh, They, uh, the the majesty of looking up at them just blew me away as a 20-year-old. And uh, there's there's a tree in the center of that national park called the General Sherman Tree. 
and you can pose in front of it. And uh, you, you look like an ant <laughs> compared to the size of that tree. It's amazing. And that's, that, again, stuck with me at the time. Look at these ma- majestic, magnificent creations of God rising up in strength and, and majesty. Most of them are between 1,000 and 2,000 years old. Many of them live beyond 2,000 years. So trees represent that. They, they, they show us majesty and strength. Uh, when we went to Israel a couple years ago, uh, went to a display called the, uh, the Jesus Boat. And this is a replica of the Jesus boat. It's actually a first century fishing boat. Looks like a first century fishing boat would be. Now, in the early 80s, some archaeologists were excavating uh, in the Sea of Galilee area, and they found embedded into the mud on the side of the bank uh, a little uh, protrusion that interested them, and, and they began to excavate that area and discovered one of these first century fishing boats was still intact on the bank, 2,000 years old. And uh, so they excavated it, and they very carefully, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a movie on the process of how they got it out of there intact. It was an amazing story. I think they put like huge bubble wrap kind of stuff and excavated it. So this is a, this is a little model of it. And the fishing boats in the first century, and this is what it is, could hold 10, 10 fishermen and then what they would bring in in their haul with the nets. So these boats were very well constructed for that day. And they were made of, and this is on a display there in the, in the where, it's, where they have it encased, uh, ten, from 10 different trees in Israel. So in other words, they made these fishing boats in the first century, uh, from the wood of trees intertwined together, linked together. So these boats of that day were strong because of the strength of the trees together. And that, I thought, was, was an amazing uh, discovery, that, that God uses the combination of people and our various strengths intertwining us with each other to make something that's strong and has longevity. Trees represent longevity and strength. Trees are life-giving. The the primary tree in the Bible is called the tree of life. Trees produce oxygen. We couldn't breathe without trees. They provide food, beauty, beauty, Shade. Trees are giving. They're, they're generous, so to speak. When you think of a tree, you think of all the things that a tree does, not what a tree takes. Trees are life-giving. Forests are beautiful because of the, the, the trees that, that collect together and the various foliage. And, and uh, if you ever have done hikes through forest land. It's, it's beautiful in the different ways that happens. And trees are, are interdependent. 
I read an article this week on uh, undisturbed forest land. In other words, not not uh, managed land. And how trees in a forest work together socially, so to speak, for the good of the forest. They communicate through their root systems. Now, I, I have... I love trees, but I, I'm not talking out of my knowledge here. I'm talking out of an illustration that I, that I read, but I, I, I can understand it. But that the root systems of, of a forest, of a tree in the forests, they work together and, and uh, they, they uh, have a fungal uh, uh, warning sim, sim, uh, signal to each other, fungal networks that send out a, a warning gas so to speak, to warn of threats given off by pests and disease that might attack the other trees. In other words, there's a communication system about all that. And nutrients are exchanged from the root systems of stronger trees to weaker trees. And this happens apparently naturally. So that a forest holds together because trees kind of protect one another and provide for each other. I found that that remarkable. You know, what, what underlies all this, the reason I'm bringing all this out is that uh, people are like trees. People are like trees. We have a faith process that, that we go through to grow. If we're going to be strong, we need the nutrients and the protection of God as he works in our life and brings other people into our life to to keep us strong. If we're going to be life-giving, it's because we understand that we've been blessed and we can give life to others. And there's an interdependence about us. We are created as as relational beings, not meant to stand alone, but to be together so that we can grow strong. Now, um, the the state tree of of Arizona is the Palo Verde tree. Any of you have a Palo Verde in your yard? We had a couple. They're beautiful trees. Uh, and, And they're so designed to thrive in a desert climate. The roots grow deeper in the winter to dig deeper for water. And, and the blossoms come out then uh, in the spring. They shed their leaves in the dormant season of the summer. And, and uh, the Palo Verde is uh, very suited to the desert climate. And the, the, uh, the signature of the Palo Verde tree is it's got a green trunk and branches. And the, the trunk stays green even in the harshest conditions. It's the color of hope. So the Palo Verde tree is a symbol here in the desert of of how to thrive even in the midst of harsh conditions. It adapts to its environment. Now, if we're going to grow and thrive in our Christian life, it's not because conditions are always good and because everything's just right. It's because in the midst of life, what we face in life and, and what we go about having to deal with in life 
we find the strength of God to help us adapt to what we're dealing with at the time. Sometimes our greatest strength is when we're in the worst of times. We don't always know that at the time because we don't feel that. But but God often uses us most when we are at extremities in life. Physically, emotionally. There's all kinds of things that affect us. The conditions aren't always good. But God always works. In Genesis 2, 8 and 9, I'm going to read those two verses. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced a delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now in the creation story, there in the book of Genesis, God plants these two trees in the middle of the garden. The tree of life. And he says to, to Adam and Eve, this is the tree of, of, of your relationship with me. We are, we are to enjoy each other forever. And, and all that you need is in this garden. And all that you need for a relationship comes out of this place that I have made for you to thrive. And then there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, but of this tree you shall not eat. Now, sometimes we, I think about this, and so I'll mention it in the sermon. Why would God make a tree of good and evil? Why did he need to do that? Why couldn't we just enjoy God forever in the garden with just the tree of life and not? Why, why did he do that? Well, you see, God didn't create us. God created us for relationship with him. To know him. Of all of God's creation, uh, man is the only part of his creation that can relate to him personally and know him and respond to him. So God created us with the ability to, to know him and to thrive in his presence. That's what the garden was all about. But he didn't create us as robots. If God would not have given us the ability to respond voluntarily to him, then it would just be a forced relationship. Well, I, I have to love God because I'm here in this garden where he's given me everything. That's, that's not how it works because God knew in our spirit that if we were going to truly relate to him in fullness, it would become, it would come from our heart. Always. And so the choice was given so that we would understand that what God has given us is all that we need. Will we trust him? Will we make that happen in our life? Now we know the story. Adam and Eve ate of the tree because the the tempter came to them and said, you will be like God. He's just jealous. He doesn't want you to really know him. Because if you eat of this tree, you'll be like him. Isn't that the temptation of us? God's of our own making. We all have a path in life we want to follow. We, we follow it. 
It often leads us far away from God, but it's because we face that same tempting. And really, God's work in the world never changed even after the fall. God always has provided redemptive ways for us to continue to grow and thrive. The promised land that he gave to the nation of Israel. Moses led them for 40 years in the wilderness, and then they were opened up to the promised land, the land of milk and honey. That represented, in a way, the Garden of Eden for us. Another way, another chance, another opportunity to thrive in God's place. If you know the Old Testament at all, you know that Israel got there. And then they kept choosing gods of their own making. Once they got comfortable, once they got familiar, once they got settled, golden calves. Because we also, when we feel a sense of comfort and familiarity, why do I need God? I can manage my own life. So Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. But God never gave up on his plan. And even as time and time and again, this is what men do. If it wasn't Adam and Eve, it would be us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we all move away. But God has never given up on his plan. And as we look at Scripture and what strong trees are all about, he's showing us that we all can grow in faith. We all can have a longevity of faith. We all can impact others positively. In the life of our faith, we can all produce leaves and fruit that last as we continue to turn more and more toward our our loving, faithful Savior. John 10, 10 is how Jesus put it. I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That's the promise of Scripture. If If we've tried other ways, and most of us have, and found where it leads us, we see the the contrast. You see, God loves us, never gives up on us, never gives up on us, never changes. says, I've created you to make a difference, to live with strength and passion that grows continually. Now, one of the purposes of these messages is simply, we were created to make a difference, to find that place in our life where passion and purpose meet. You see, God created us all differently. And and we have different passions. We have different things that move us. When he called the fishermen, they were already passionate about fishing. That's why they were fishermen. But he was redirecting that passion. I had a passion to teach and coach. God says, not basketball. Although I dabbled in that for a while. People, your church, my church. God takes those passions and connects them with purpose. Passion by itself is simply emotion. But if we can find it directed in a place where God is saying, this is what I've called you to do, that's what gives us life. That's life more abundant. It's not stuff. It's not better this or more of that. It's it's that deep-seated sense that God's passion that he has instilled in us 
as his, as his strong tree finds a way to grow. So uh, first Sunday of each month, we take the Lord's Supper together. We're going to do that. And as we do that this morning, I just as you think of this Lent season of Easter, uh, what ways is, is God speaking to you now? Maybe about your passions, your purpose. Um, he rekindles things in our life that need to be rekindled. So whatever way this morning the Lord is speaking, uh, just take these moments to pause and pray and uh, remember what he's done for you. I'll pray as it's being passed and then we'll partake. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you that you work in ways beyond our understanding. Thank you for lessons from trees. Lord, that we can grow and thrive. We keep our eyes on you and keep trusting and keep seeing ways that you work. Lord, you know in our lives if you need to redirect something, if you need to remove something, if you need to change something within us. So, Holy Spirit, you speak to us in whatever way we need it today. Thank you for this time that we can worship you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.